Brian? Yeah. The dog's chewing on the mute button. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. My name is Jess Dunks and I am joined, as always, by Brian Prilliman. Hello, interwebs. This is episode number 171. We have a very special episode for you today, but first, let me introduce our guest host, uh, Brogan King. Hello. Um, you may remember her from an episode that we recently had on the Review Review Project, uh, and just reviews in general, which was pretty good. Uh, we still need to follow up on that topic of reviews, but today we're going to talk about a, uh, a very cool new thing that just happened, which is, or is about to happen actually, which is that there's a magic set coming out. Woohoo! Uh, we can, we can, I thought you were speaking from the future for a second. Yeah, well, no, that, that happens sometimes with the weirdness that is the magic of digital recording. The uh, internet. But, <laughs> that second sun, it's approaching, man. It's coming right for us. <laughs> What? Are you are you turning into a mummy or a hippie? Uh no no no. The, Why not both? Yes. Wow, those bandages would be like would smell like patchouli and uh <laughs> <laughs> I, I got buried with all my belongings a... before it was cool. Oh I used to work for a like a natural cosmetics company and I just had like flashbacks to the patchouli. That stuff is awful. Eh, eh. I'm not a fan. <laughs> It is my yeah. opinion. It is my opinion that that smell is awful. Which so we can just we can you know, just we can, as fill as... the the backdrop of our of the new set with the scent of patchouli and rotted flesh. It'll be good. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh huh. All right. So all right, speaking of rotting flesh, um, so there's a there's some invocations in this in this set, right? Oh, wow. <laughs> I know that's so the master good. the masterpiece series. Uh, right, that's what's called, right? The masterpiece series. Uh, is uh continuing in Amonkhet. How is that even pronounced? Amonkhet, Amon Amonkhet. I'm pr- I've been pronouncing it Amonkhet. Amonkhet. Like, al- like almond cat, but not quite. Al- almond cat. It is. Cat and. Um, um, Amon, yeah, Amon cat, right. or uh, a monk hat. Oh, that's good. A monk hat. Uh, if you put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. No, I like almond cat better. Yeah, almond cat. Almond cat's pretty sweet. Um, I'm just imagining like so. There are so many ways you could go with that, but my brain Im- immediately went to like a cat on the kitchen counter with like a, a container of almonds, just knocking them all over the place. It's, it's an almond As cat. a cat is wont to do. Yeah. <laughs> this is not far-fetched at all. Right. Oh, oh, this, oh, these are expensive nuts. It would be a shame if someone knocked it on the floor. Hmm. <laughs> well, the and, cat uh, can, also, he, he can also knock the expensive cards onto I, the floor. I, I've seen that well. We've just discovered Nicol Bolas's plot for uh, his sinister plot. He's just going to show up and just start knocking things over. <laughs> Like a giant cat. <laughs> like a giant cat. All right. Oh, uh, look at you play. This is a nice sarcophagus, of, guys. Speaking of ruining things, let's bring it back around to the Masterpiece series. Yes. Uh, Ooh, that's the, a better segue. There's uh, <laughs> the new Invocations are the Masterpiece series for uh, Almond Cat. And um, there are 30 cards in Almond Cat that when you look at them, they, you're going to go, this is not a magic card. How did this end up in this pack? If you haven't seen these before. Um, they're a weird combination of things I love and things I hate. Okay. They're, they're, they're the, the, there's no black border. The art, the art on the card goes all the way 
uh, the, rather the border of the card goes all the way to the edge, which leaves more room for the art, uh, which is cool. Uh, and on the modal spells, they like list every mode out individually in the text box, which is also cool. Uh, but there's a problem, and that's basically that they set the names of the cards kind of at random uh, alignment, like left, right, center, in the midst of of made up hieroglyphics so you can't really see what the names of the cards are very easily and the, if the you text do- is is really hard to read yeah and if you don't already know what the name of the card is when you read it you might not read it correctly um so they're weird anyway you mean like bays <laughs> bays yes like bays bays is a good one uh there's also um i'm not going to get into it yeah doesn't one of them look like they have an exclamation point after it Oh, I didn't see that. But there is actually a magic card with... There's more than one magic card with an exclamation point as part of the name. Uh, Is it Kaboom, I think? Kaboom and two arms! Kaboom and two arms. Two arms! Two arms! I'm really upset about this because the card Release the Ants did not get an exclamation point, and I really feel like it should have. Well, it, what about start I, your engines? I would start think your engines would be fine too. Yeah. Release the ants might should actually have a question mark at the end of it. <laughs> Release the ants? Bees? Bees? Um, bees? So uh, about the invocations, um, they are they're some of them are cards from the set. Some of them are cards that were previously printed, like Cryptic Commander Days. Um, if you draft them, you can play them even if they're not part of the set. That, uh, that you're drafting, but if you play them in uh, constructed, they need to be otherwise legal for the format. So, for example, if I draft Cryptic Command, I can play it, or if I get it in my pre-release seal pool, I can play it, and that's fine. But if I turn around and I want to play Standard, I can't play that Cryptic Command in Standard, because even though it was in Invocation, it's not technically in the Almond Cat set. But I want to play Cryptic Command. Uh, as do I. As do I, but, but, uh, but that's what if I, I want? But what if I want to? <laughs> that's um, you know, that's we'll talk. You know, come to the. But what events. if I don't want to play it in my sealed pool because I might might hurt it? Oh well, if so, in that case, uh, you just don't play. You choose not to play the card, and you're <laughs> fine. Uh, but we can't have any kind of proxies for it in a draft or a sealed pool. So, for example, if you dra- if you open it up and you're like, oh, this might be an expensive card. I don't want to hurt it. Um, can I just write cryptic command on a planes? It'll be more legible. Uh, then I have to tell you no. <laughs> I have to tell you no. You cannot. Um, you have to play with. Uh, you have to play with the invocation. Uh, that's, so, that's been a problem. It has. Just, I, but but judge, I really really want to to play this. But you have to understand that it's expensive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I I understand that it's expensive. You can choose not to play it. And uh, and the and the reason is that's 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 actually a really slippery slope because what's expensive for you might be ex- might not be expensive for someone else. You know, for some people, five dollars is an expensive card. Mm-hmm. Where do you draw the line? Um, it, it's mostly just that you you can't proxy cards uh, un- unless they have been damaged through play. In which case, I'm very sorry, and I will give you a proxy. Uh, they, but unless they've been damaged through play, we can't issue a proxy. Um, another thing that does come up, uh, if you open it in a draft, you can draft it. Congratulations. If you want one of the other cards more because it's better for your deck, you have to pass it. You can't just go, uh, hey, can I just, like, buy this pack and, and get a new one for the draft? No, you can't. That's not how that works. This pack is part of the draft. Um, if it, you have friends who want to said, do... Uh, that being said, there's... 
if you were to take your product and get up and walk out of the store, if a player does this in your event, they haven't tackle actually... Them. Don't tackle them. They haven't actually, like... They can leave oh, with no. their limited product. They can leave the event. <laughs> don't be like, ah, that guy... That guy stole 14 cards yeah. other than the invocation. Like, that's not how that works. That's not, that's oh. not theft. Uh, you might not win any friends that way. Yeah, but it's not... It's not illegal as far as the uh, as far as the tournament rules are concerned. And I'm sorry, Brogan, I cut you off. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, it's just it, it's 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 all it's all what your playgroup wants to do. If you're playing outside of a tournament, you can ask your friends if they want to, and that might be fine. But don't expect that that's going to be the norm. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that goes along with this, this is something that's gone a little bit away now that we've had masterpieces for a few sets. But there's a thing called uh, rare redrafting that happens in some drafts. I'm not a fan of it myself. But you'll find stores where they redraft all the rares at the end of the event. This isn't an officially supported thing. And as a judge, if somebody leaves with their cards before that happens, there's not anything you can do about it. So I, if your stores are already doing that, uh, I encourage you to encourage them to find a different way to, to distribute prizes or, or uh, and just let the players keep their cards. However, if you'd like to preserve that uh, in a personal play group with you and your friends... That's fine. I, I know plenty of people that, that do that with their – there's their agreement between their friends when they're playing. That's totally fine. Um, speaking of uh, speaking of preserving things, there's a new mechanic yeah. in the set. It, it, it is, yes. Uh, the new mechanic is Embalm. Um, and it is, it's, a, it's a pretty neat uh, mechanic. What uh, Embalm means is it means your lips are moisturized. Um, uh-huh. balm. <laughs> they taste a little bit like cherry. Uh, it's very nice. No. Um, <clears throat> so embalm is a mechanic that appears on creature cards and it is a activated ability. Uh, well, before we get into what it, what it is flavor wise is, Hey, we're an Egyptian, we're in an Egyptian set. Uh, what says Egyptians more than mummies, right? At least in pop culture, you think Egypt, you think, you think pyramids, you think mummies, and this is a way that you get to make your own mummy. Uh, so Embalm is uh, an activated ability um, that says exile this card from your graveyard. So that's that's key. The creature has to be in the graveyard, you know, as you would a dead creature would be. But what if um, I embalm things that aren't dead? Well, you uh, that, that was just me being creepy again. Go, go oh. on. Um, <laughs> yeah, that is a special kind of. Cre- I don't know what you do on the weekends, there, Brogan. I judge. Yeah, you actually do know what she does on the weekends. Oh, uh, exactly. Well, okay, I don't know, like, after the top eight is over. Uh, are your events getting smaller and smaller? They um, weirdly are. Interesting. It's like, it's weird. It's like, I never sure get the why same top happening. eight. Right. So, uh, so they're, they're written as cost, exile this card from your graveyard. Um, you then get a token that's a copy of the creature, uh, except, it has no mana cost because when you when you copy when you make a copy of something you copy the the types the names the mana cost all this this copy effect specifically says it does not get a mana cost uh, but it is white because color you know color is derived from the mana cost and if you don't have a mana cost then it's not going to have a color but nope it's white and it's a zombie in addition to its other types. Um, so that's pretty cool. So you 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 have your mummy token. Um, now there are what's going to be cool about this is uh, there are going to be tokens in the packs that are the embalmed version of all the creatures that have embalmed. So you will be able to find uh, find cat. these tokens. 
Right. The mummy cat, the the uh, uh, the various warriors, the unwavering initiate. Uh, I think there's even a sphinx with embalm. Uh, just a note, though, players, please bring your own tokens. Uh, judges don't have them. We we don't we they're 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 not like land stations where we can get just boxes of tokens uh, for events. So if you're at a, if you're at a large event and there happen to be a lot around, maybe, but they're not freely available. I I used to quick aside. I had a friend who had a boss he really hated. Uh, who would he would use his he had a stack of his boss's business cards. And he'd wow. use those as tokens, and then when they died, he'd, like, tear them up and throw them in the air. That's <laughs> delightful. So, uh, one other thing to do uh, in order to avoid confusion, if you don't have one of these tokens, um, it's it's not correct to use the card to represent its own token. So the Unwavering Initiative, when you go, oh, I'm going to embalm it, and then you just pick it up and you put it on the battlefield, that's not correct. And that is going to lead to some confusion because when it dies, you're just going to pick it up and you're going to put it back in the graveyard. And then a turn or two later, we're going to when you try to embalm it, when you try to embalm it again, there's going to be an issue. Now they have said that they're going to have these punch cards and they have a little little uh, I guess little tags on them, and one of them is embalmed. So. Wizards is kind of, I guess, unofficially endorsing this, where you put the Unwavering Initiative back onto the battlefield with the little punch card tag thing on it. Don't do it! Yeah, just say no. Uh... (laughs) Right, friends don't friends don't let friends put exiled creatures on the battlefield uh, as tokens. Um, one other thing is uh, these tokens. Some of the to- the cards uh, that the tokens are copies of will actually have replacement effects that change how the 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 token enters the battlefield. Those still happen. So there's there's a there's an embalm creature that's a clone uh, that the mummy clone uh, will be able to copy. That token will be able to copy things, but it'll also be a white zombie in addition to um, whatever other thing it was that you're copying. If it couldn't copy, it would be not very good. Right, <laughs> zero zero. <laughs> it would die again, and then you'd be like, "Well, what do you expect a, from a, a really bad mummy? The worst mummy ever." Uh, uh, that one is um... <sighs> okay. So as long as we're on the topic, I think Vizier of Many Faces is doesn't quite function the same way as the rest of the embalmed cards, because I think it works as an exception to the copy effect. Oh, wait, they all work as an exception to the copy effect. Never mind, because they're a copy of the... I'm dumb. Okay, cool. Yeah. We're good. We're good. Yeah. My, We're life, good. my yeah. world view works again. Everything <laughs> makes sense. Uh, order is restored. Order has been restored. Um, and uh, Don't yeah. hurt yourself. I need to go back and listen to our episode on copy effects, apparently, um, which is, by the way, episode 160, if you are interested <laughs> in checking that out. Um, Relatedly to people trying really hard to do things. <laughs> Uh, another mechanic going on is good. I'm, I'm getting, I'm good at the segue thing, right? Uh, exert, which I, th- I think that's the flavor of it, right? Is like, I'm pushing really hard to make this thing happen, so I'm not going to untap? Uh, yeah, well, actually, so in, in the Almond Cat world, uh, they become frozen as the only cards that we've seen that really keep these from untapping previously all like freeze stuff so that's that's in my head stuff is just getting frozen all they're the time just, like very in, cold. whenever whenever you try to do something too hard it's it's like the people it's so hot on on this world <laughs> that, that they evolved they evolved that if they they instead of sweating they just get really cold so if they work too hard 
They just freeze. <laughs> they just they freeze. Okay, so that's yeah. that's how that's how I'm gonna look at this from now on. Uh, that so is. Exert, <laughs> exert. Um, currently in this set, uh, exert happens when creatures attack. So it says you can you may exert creature as it attacks. When you do, it does a thing. Um, and wait, the way exert works is it makes it so it doesn't untap during your next untap. So, again, it's it's like they're frozen, except Arnold Schwarzenegger didn't show up, make a nice pun, and then peace out. Uh, oh, no one no one even laughed at that. Aww. Anyway. Anyway. anyway you I'm need, putting uh, you your name pun. in the show notes. What? I'm putting puns of your name in the show notes. He actually is. Yeah, every... I, I've, I, I noticed. Yeah. I noticed. <laughs> my, I, my, my name has changed on this in this document about... About five times in the last five minutes. <laughs> um, so at any rate, uh, you you can only exert when they're attacking. So anything that deals with being like something exerting needs to happen during declare attackers. You can't block and then come back and deal with those triggers. Um, that's related to some some issues that have been happening lately with people not quite knowing how combat works when it comes to triggers. So yeah. this is this is another 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 thing to be aware of. So if you exert and triggers happen, deal with them then, not later. Um, if it uh, is already so if somehow your creature already gets untapped before you would untap, like something you do something to untap it, the exert doesn't really do anything. Like right, so they can still attack with it and do just, everything right. normally. You can, yeah. It doesn't modify anything else. Um, additionally, if you somehow exert it twice, they, d- it, they, it will only apply to the next untap. So, so it's not like you don't get it for two turns. Right. So exert really only cares specifically about that untap step. It, it doesn't mean anything else. Um, so if, if it's, t- if it's not tapped when you hit that untap step, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't do anything at the untap step. What about if I, you take my creature after I exert it, does it untap? On your turn? Uh, now you're gonna make me go look at the the rules. And <laughs> stuff. Um, judging judging from the reminder text, uh, I think it actually would, but I, I've been fooled by reminder text in the past. It does. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. I don't have to suffer the disastrous consequences of. Okay. So what was that? It so, does. So, uh... so, so if I if I if I take your creature, exert it, and then you take it, it like it goes back to you at the end of your turn. At the end of my turn, it will untap. Yeah, because it's it's it only cares about the that person's untap step. It's right. not yeah because it affects it, it, your untap step basically. It's right. not if a I take if I if I take Jess's creature, exert it. It sa- it basically says it doesn't untap during Brogan's next untap step, not right. just next untap step. Right now that could get weird if I have something that does untap creatures during Brogan's untap step. Because then it would not untap. Wait, so if I. <laughs> <laughs> If you this take control of the creature, uh, of my creature, and, and, I attack. and you attack and exert and it, exert. and you give it back to me, and then I have an effect that untaps all of my creatures during your next untap step. <laughs> right. Then exert matters. Um, but that's, so, so we're talking like, uh, uh, what's that, Seedborn Muse? Yes. Right. <laughs> Basically, we're talking Prophet about... Prophet of Krufix. All right. Right? That creature does that? Prophet of Krufix yeah. also does that, yes. Right, but that's banned in, in EDH, which is the only format is it's it played in, right? still banned in EDH? I think... I think so. Yeah, it was. Cool. It card, card is busted in half, and I love it. It's... Yeah. Right. It's it's a glorious train wreck. 
at any speaking rate. Of, speaking of train wrecks, uh, th- there's a new mechanic called Aftermath. Aftermath isn't actually a train wreck, but train wrecks have Aftermath, so I kind of figured that was a segue. Well, I thought, I thought you were going to talk about traffic in uh, in Atlanta. Oh my god, there was there was a, there was a third one. Uh, yeah, roads are just like literally exploding and catching on fire and and, collab- and there was a sinkhole and like yeah, it's been it's been crazy. I'm pretty sure next there's going to be a plague of locusts and all the firstborn roads will be killed. Uh but <laughs> Isn't that what's happening already? Uh, yeah, it seems it seems very much like it, and somewhat topical for an Egyptian set. Anyway, uh, moving on. So, um, for Aftermath, uh, Aftermath is a new variation on split cards. Um, split cards, for those of you that don't know, were cards that were just two cards printed on one card face, and you turned it sideways in order to read it. Uh, this has two cards that are printed on one card face, but one of them is, is like, right side up with this really weird super panoramic art, and then the other one is sideways like you'd expect from a split card. And the way you read them, there are two names. So you read the, the first name, which is the one that's right side up, and then the sideways name after that with a two in between. For example, there's one that's destined, and then the other half is lead, so it's destined to lead, or failure to comply. And stuff like that. Um, they have a new frame. The frame is designed so that uh, when you put them in your graveyard, if you turn them sideways in the graveyard, you can see the half in a way that you can read it. You can see the half that you can cast from the graveyard, which helps me jump ahead. You say that's basically what this mechanic is, is uh, a weird combination of flashback and kicker where you can cast it one way and it does thing the first and you cast it for the second cost, and it does thing the second. Uh, but you can only do the second one from the graveyard. So Destined says, target creature gets plus one plus zone gains indestructible until end of turn. And Lead says, all creatures able to block target creature this turn do so. Uh, so I can only cast Destined from my hand, and I can cast Lead from the graveyard. Um, so... A couple things about that. You can only cast it from the graveyard. If it somehow got exiled, you you can't cast lead from any zone other than the graveyard. It just has to be in the graveyard. Secondly, it doesn't matter how it got in the graveyard. If you didn't cast Destined, if you somehow milled it or discarded it, you could still cast lead later on. Um, Let's see, what else is there? Uh, The converted mana cost of a split card, and this is a change from previously. We need new rules change. What? Yes. New rules change. Uh, awesome. I'm excited. The converted mana cost of a split card is now just the total mana cost of the two halves put together. Very simple. Very straightforward. What? There are going to be a whole lot fewer questions about There's... how this works. There's one exception to that, uh, which I think Brogan was about to say. Yeah. Uh, she sounds super excited about this, this exception. I am. Um, and that is that when it's on the stack, it's only the half that you're casting. Uh, I th- that, it's so intuitive, and it makes me happy. I like it a lot. Rather than having to give... A billion different answers to this question, rather depending on where the the card is and what you're casting. It's mm-hmm. a plus. So wait, does that mean I can no longer use a a a brain in a, a jar? Well, I well yeah, I was gonna say that, but I was gonna say a, a counterbalance and yeah. you know. Uh, the split cards to get to get to be able to counter two different spells. That is correct. 
What? Um, but all, overall, this is gonna be this is gonna be a good change. In fact, the, there were a lot of really crazy, weird, complicated things you could do with split cards before. And when they went to make the change, I was like, "Oh man, this is a huge change." We should do an episode about it. And so I started lining out all the new stuff, and I realized well, there's not enough material anymore to do an episode about it. We'd just be going over all the old stuff and saying you can't do it. Um, <laughs> so, like, so, yeah, this, this sweet thing you used to be able to do, too bad. Yeah. yeah. So it, our episode would be like that Megan Trainer song where it's like, the answer is no. You know, the converted mana cost, no. Can you use it? Isochron Scepter, no. You need to let it go. You should write uh, that song. I... <laughs> You just did. I just did. <laughs> just re- repeat that four times. Uh, Add in a catchy it. hook give and get a, get a guest star. And yes. Good. All right. So maybe maybe uh, uh, like Kendrick Lamar is available. I believe he just he he just released a new album. Oh, he, needs, he, so needs he has a, plenty of time. Yeah, I just learned who he is today, by the way, which is why I'm bringing it up. I don't I don't actually know who that is. That's he's, he's, he's a, a rapper. I feel he's a singer that's got like three spots in the global top fifty. It's awful. <laughs> this is like, it's hot wow. take central up in here. Welcome to JudgeCast. All right. All right. Moving on. Um, Brian, uh, do you want to tell us about, I, th- I think this is the last mechanic, right? Yes. Tell us uh, about the last mechanic, the it's, last it's, new mechanic that we've never seen the last before. New mechanic. Um, we, we've never seen this mechanic before, ever. Uh, it's called Cy, uh, Cy, Cy, Cy Kling? Um, I think is how it's pronounced. Cycling. Um, and what my it people, means... My people love this mechanic. And by my people, I mean hipsters. <laughs> oh, is, you, were, you were discarding cards before it was cool? or No, because oh, it's cycling. Cycling. Oh. <laughs> also, so, <I> don't... <laughs> um, so cycling. Cycling is, is a wonderful, wonderfully simple uh, mechanic. What it means is typically there is, uh, it's, the cards are written as cycling and then a cost. And what that really means is pay the cost, discard the card, draw a card. Um, so that, that in and of itself is crazy, crazy simple, but there's, that's not all, but wait, there's more. Um, some cards and some abilities trigger off of cycling. Uh, so you're going to do these first. So one of the examples from, uh, the set is called, uh, Shifet Monitor. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Shifet Monitor. Lizard. It is a lizard. It's a monitor lizard. Uh, for five and a green, it's a six, five creature lizard cycling three and a green. Well, that sounds a lot to discard a card and draw a card, Ugh. but it says when you cycle Shifet Monitor, uh, you may search your library for a basic land card or a desert card, dun-dun-dun, and put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. And then it has this handy-dandy little reminder text that says, do this before you draw. That's really important because when you cycle, you're activating the ability, you're drawing the card, you're putting, oh, sorry, you're, you're activating the ability and discarding your card, you're putting the draw card ability on the stack. This, but you just cycled, so that trigger is going to go on the stack above drawing the card. You're going to do that first, so you're going to search your library for the basic land card or desert card before you draw, okay? And that's uh, uh, one of the other things about this uh, This right here. Is for this particular set, there's several cards that trigger off of discarding. Uh, cycling's discarding. You're discarding a card. So I'm really, really excited, like legitimately weirdly excited about minus one, minus one counters being a thing again. Uh, because I haven't 
played since like minus one minus one counters were since after they stopped being a thing really uh i only started playing during innistrad so we have those again uh so minus one minus one counters as you would guess are like the the evil twin of plus one plus one counters uh and uh it's a really good way to get rid of uh things like indestructible gods for example so even though something is indestructible if you put a minus one if you give it zero toughness it will still die and minus one minus one counters are a good way to do that um if you if something gets uh, enough counters that it has zero or less power it won't deal damage. However, you still need to acknowledge negative power can be a thing. So if I have a thing that ends up as a negative one five, and then I give it plus three plus three, it will still only have two power. Uh, additionally, because uh, minus one minus one counters are the, the evil twin of plus one plus one counters, uh, when they are both on a creature, they essentially blow each other up as a state-based action, and they stop, and one of each stops existing. They explode! They, they explode. Uh, so if I if something has two plus one plus one counters on it, you put a minus one minus one counter on it, it will just have one plus one plus one counter on it. What? Um, so I know. It. There's, I hate to be a Grinch, but I hope this isn't as bad as the last time that we had minus one minus one counters be a huge thing. Uh, well, I guess... I'm thinking of, of when Wither so was was a big deal. The, the problem was, if you played a lot of Magic then, you couldn't play Magic without bags and bags of dice. <laughs> oh, because <laughs> you need different kinds of dice depending on your counter types? Yes! And well, it's better than, than when there were, like, a minus two, minus one counters. Didn't, aren't they have some of the counters on those punch cards? Oh, I, I don't, don't know. know the answer to this question, actually. There might be. Uh, I would believe it. Thanks, okay. punch cards. And, I mean, we're just going to have a different problem. We're just going to have all these little slivers of things. Cardboard on, uh, floating around? Yeah, there there is. So the the punch cards have uh, um, minus one, minus one counters, uh, brick counters. Oh, yeah. Uh, embalmed, counters. exerted things. Yeah. So so they, they, they're going to, in packs, they're going to have little minus one, minus one, I guess, for, for limited. But, yeah, standard's going to have, I mean, you're going to have plus one, plus one counters and minus one, yep. minus one counters I and just, brick counters. I and, know a lot of people were mad they didn't bring Wither back in a true form, and I'm, I'm very glad they didn't because... I'm pretty okay with that. Because, like, it just creates these super grindy games that don't go anywhere. Um, and I don't want to watch top eights that are full of those. Um, <laughs> I, I, it is unsanctionable. Um, unsanctionable. Unsanctionable, yes. Um, which actually is is a, a a terrible attempt at a segue because I'm about to talk about a new card in the set called Angel of Sanctions. Um, How timely! That's a, uh, that's a U2 song, isn't it? Off their Rattle and Helm album. You're making a reference I don't understand. Yep. <laughs> Brian, Brian makes jokes to himself occasionally. This is one. Um, the, the three people that, that listened to you 2 in the 80s are dying laughing right now. I was, listen, I was <laughs> listening to nursery rhymes in the 80s, okay? I'm not going to say... <laughs> She's like, I wasn't alive in the 80s. I, I wasn't... Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. So Angel of Sanctions. Uh, angel of Sanctions is a sweet-looking angel. It actually kind of looks like somebody just made Koth into an angel. Um, really 
It's uh, it's a five mana creature. It's a three four with flying, and it says when Angel of Sanctions enters the battlefield, you may exile target non land permanent and opponent controls until Angel of Sanctions leaves the battlefield, and it has embalm, which we have already described. So, um, a couple things about this for an effect that's worded like this, where it has a duration, um, like until it leaves the battlefield. If it leaves the battlefield before the triggered ability exiles something, it just won't exile it because the the duration has already ended. Like vanishing light. Yes. Um, if you exile something that has an aura attached to it or an equipment attached to it, uh, those things are no longer attached to it. So the aura will just go to the graveyard, and the equipment will just sit there, sad, on the battlefield, waiting for a squadron hawk to come down and pick it up. Um, if you exile... <laughs> that's, that's such a depressing image. <laughs> it's sad, and then the squadron hawk just comes down and... Mine! 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 Just flies away with it. Yeah, little scavengers. If, uh, if Angel of Sanctions gets to exile a token... Uh, that token will cease to exist, and uh, in multiplayer, if uh, Angel of Sanctions dies, you get whatever it was back. Which might sound obvious, but there are some older templated cards that don't work that way. Alas. Uh, did I, I might have misspoken there. I, I, did I say the owner died? I might have just said the creature. I, th- I think you did just say the creature, yeah. so if but, the owner yeah. dies, but both are true. Both are true. If the owner dies, you get your thing back. Uh, yes. Yeah. All right. Uh, All right. Brian, you have the next card? I do, yes. Uh, the next card is uh, half half of one of my favorite cards ever, uh, which is <laughs> Doubling Season. Uh, this is Anointed Procession. So for three and a white, it is an enchantment that says, if an effect would create one or more tokens under your control, it creates twice that many tokens instead. Twice, I say. So many. Twice the tokens, yes. It is it is Bogo Extreme. That's what, what this value? card is. It's Bogo. Um, so notes about this card is the tokens uh, enter the battlefield at the same time. This is not a trigger. This is a replace. This is a replacement effect uh, that's going to create. Uh, that's going to create them. They all come in at the same time. Um, if the tokens have a as this enters the battlefield or this enters with counters ability whatever uh, each token is going to get that separately uh, and the decisions for those tokens are going to be made separately so if it's if it's something that says as this enters the battlefield choose a creature you don't have to make the same choice for each token um, if uh, if an effect makes lots of different types of tokens, you double all of them. So there is a card called oh wow, I probably show it's it's a uh, cone of creatures. What's uh, do you remember what that's called? Oh, uh, Tristani's Tristani's summoner. No, no, no. It's um, it's you know there's there's cone of there's cone of flame which does three damage, two damage, one damage. Uh-huh. There's a there's a green spell. Uh, that makes a a three three elephant, a two two wolf, and like a one one snake. Oh yeah, I remember that. Well, there's a there's there's a there's a card from RTR block <laughs> that it does this. It's basically the same thing. Okay, so in that particular case, uh, you're gonna get double all those dudes, uh, not just an extra one. Um, so if you also have two processions, uh, anointed processions, you are truly anointed because you're gonna get four times the total. You're gonna double then double again. Um, and then, uh, if the tokens were created with an effect that causes you to exile them or sack them later, you're gonna do that for both. Tokens. I wish I wish real life worked that way. Like I wish I could go to the store, put four things 
on on, on the the conveyor belt of the register and be like, no, 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 I've got two buy one get one free coupons. <laughs> it I get all double. four. <laughs> I get to choose how my my coupon effects apply. <laughs> right. As the the controller of the affected objects. I like I like. I like how now that Jess is a homeowner, he's talking, he's making like coupon jokes. You know. <laughs> yeah, pretty he's much. Settle, pretty settling much that. into that grown-up adult adult lifestyle. I was talking to nope. I was talking to Joe Huto the other day. We were having this very exciting discussion about paying down debt, and like we were both legitimately really stoked about paying down debt, and like I understand we were like, that. Wow, we're we're getting so old. Um, I. J- <laughs> Am I a loser if I just looked at this and thought about, flavor-wise, how Anointed Procession works with Embalm? Like, how am I making... Am I making two mummies for the price of one? You, you are, in fact, making two yeah. mummies for the price of one. Well, I mean, when, you, when you're going through the embalming process, you're just using a lot of sawdust to kind of, like, bulk so up just the... some filler in there? Yeah. It's just, you know, it's the same stuff that, like, McDonald's uses on their chicken nuggets. Ugh. <laughs> I love chicken nuggets, uh, but I also love Approach of the Second Son, which is the coolest card. Quickly switching topics. All right, this card has a lot of words on it. Um, am I wrong? You are not wrong. That is... All right, uh, so Approach of the Second Son is a sorcery that says... Uh, if Approach of the Second Sun was cast from your hand and you've cast another spell named Approach of the Second Sun this game, you win the game. Otherwise, uh, put Approach of the Second Sun into its owner's library, seventh from the top, and you gain seven life. Okay, so there's a lot of stuff going on here. Um, so when you... It, do, it doesn't... This card does not care if the second one you cast is the same card, uh, if the first one resolved... Uh, the second one has to resolve in order to do the thing you want it to do, but the first one doesn't have to resolve because you you you. So so the second the second second son has yes. to has to resolve. So is the that like the anointed profession? Is that four sons now? Uh, that's a big family. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so uh, the additionally the first son. You can cast from from anywhere, but in order to do the thing you want it to do, the second one does need to be cast from your hand. Uh, additionally, if you have six or fewer cards in your library, you just put it on the bottom. It's not like you can't put it back because there's not seven cards. Uh, you also can't get super cute with this with with copies of the spell because you don't cast copies. I think this card is super fun. Is it? Or maybe is it, like- it is. Oh man, I I always feel like these you win the game cards are kind of like gimmicky. Yeah. It's just like yeah, that's why but, I love it. Uh, but I don't I don't think that this is completely useless on its own. Like it's not like um, what's the card where if you have <clears throat> too many cards in your library, you win. See, that, that's uh, ironic that you bring that one up because I've played that one. Uh, that's, oh, Battle of Wits. Battle, Wits, Battle yeah. of Wits. Battle Pod was yeah, real. Except was it? Oh yeah, the Battle Pod was totally real. Uh, so, so Battle Pod was a modern deck where you played Battle of Wits and Birthing Pod. The 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 problem was that it was searching two to three times a turn, so it was only real on Magic Wait, Online. You could only really play it in, on Magic because Online because you can't shuffle. Right. So the the other problem is a lot of these cards are just completely useless in in limited. Yeah. And this one isn't because it's not it's it's a rare. So, 
so if it if it didn't shuffle back in, you might be sad because there's no chance you're going to get it again. But it, I just think this card is super cool flavor wise and as a card. Yeah, I mean it's great. It's great. Limited. It works in EDH. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's probably not going to be in a, a, a constructed. Can you card. actually survive for? that many turns in edh you probably wants to sneak some card draw in <laughs> you know speaking of card draw there's a great oh, way yes. to sneak some card draw in yeah we've got this card uh that is as foretold by the prophecies um it, it, the name of the card is as foretold well a, yeah, okay well, what is it if it was foretold what was what's the name <laughs> and the name is is actually just the words as foretold do you like that the hands are making bolus horns i do Actually, quite a lot. Like yeah. That, that thing that I just noticed just now because you pointed it out. Um, yeah, I just I just noticed that too. And the sun is like the gem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> um, so. I'm, I'm not not that arrogant. <laughs> Um, As Foretold is an enchantment that says, at the beginning of your upkeep, put a time counter on As Foretold. Uh, once each turn, you may pay zero, rather than pay the mana cost for a spell you cast with converted mana cost X or less, where X is the number of time counters on As Foretold. Um, free stuff. Yeah, free stuff is awesome. Uh, so basically, th- this is an alternate cost, so you can't cast this... Uh, and also pay another alternate cost. Um, so, for example, uh, you you can't uh, something with the uh, I'm drawing I flash a, something back. Yeah, well, flashback you can't cast from your. Uh, actually, this doesn't Six. this doesn't ask about your hand, does it? Nope. Cool. So sweet. This totally works with with our our uh, our new split cards, but um, it does not work with flashback because flashback is an alternate cost. So you cannot flash something back with this. What? It's not as for, it's not foretold it's that not you can for, flashback. It was not. It was not foretold. Um, oh. You can cast something for zero. That seems uh, rather cast a, a zero converted mana cost spell with this. Seems to be a common question that comes up. Um, and for split cards, the converted mana cost you're looking for is actually the half you're casting, which is a little unintuitive, but still works that way. Um, also, this is note no, that this says each turn, not. Your turn? Yeah, so you can cast instants on your opponent's turn this way. It's pretty sweet. That is. It's awesome. Uh, and having yeah, multiple it... of these, they they give you multiple free casts and time counters. Uh, yeah, if you wanna if you wanna jam a joyous time bug into uh, <laughs> into your modern deck, then be my guest. I shouldn't be giggling about that. Um, if you manage to cast a spell that has an X in its mana cost uh, that isn't Spoils of War, the X will be zero. So I don't want to cast the new Nissa. That's probably true. I mean, maybe you do. Who knows? Maybe you're trying to maybe. hit that that uh, you know. delirium. Yeah, one of the, one delirium. of the one of the important <laughs> things about a judge podcast is we tell you how the rules work. We don't necessarily tell you if it's a strategically good idea or not. Joyer's time bug. Do it. <laughs> as do it. You, do it. You won't. <laughs> uh, you can also proliferate this stuff, uh, which is probably a slightly better strategy. Um, is it? Then Jairus Time Bug? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I don't believe you. I don't know. You get cool points for the Time Bug. All right. No one will see it coming. <laughs> they really won't. All right. <clears throat> what is, uh, unless somebody else had something that was foretold, um, let's move on to the next card. All right. The next card is Bonesaw. 
Bonesaw no, is ready. Bonesaw is ready. Wait, is this the bird that tried to eat your dog? This is the bird that tried to uh, eat my dog. Just, just for the record, Bonesaw is not in this set. Okay. Bonesaw is disappointed. No, the card is Bone Picker. It is three and a black for a three-two flying death touch bird. Um, and it has the text Bone Picker costs three less to cast if a creature died this turn. So this is our obligatory explanation of what it means to die. Um, it's kind of an existential, an existential thing. <laughs> right. Um, so, I mean, nobody really knows what happens after you die. But uh, one of the things what well, we do know that Bone Picker actually gets three cheaper. Um, <clears throat> so uh, what die means is a creature uh, goes from the battlefield. To the graveyard. That's what it means. Uh, if you uh, exile it, uh, nope, that's not dying. If it bounces, that's not dying. It's creature from your graveyard, or sorry, from the battlefield to the graveyard. Mm-hmm. And for Bone Picker, it doesn't actually have to be your creature. Mm-hmm. So you could attack, they chump block, hey, you got a Bone Picker for, um, for one block. One, one whole yes. mana. <clears throat> right. And remember, you can pick your friends and you can pick your bones, but you can't pick your friend's bones. Oh, no. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't, I don't know. Does that have to be edited out? Is that? <laughs> uh, so, uh, so, uh, I'm going to talk about a less weird card. And I don't think this card is actually less weird. I think it just involves fewer bones. You mean it's less uh, morbid? Sure. Uh, that was a morbid mechanic joke. Nobody it was, got it. That's fine. I, I think because a creature died. I understand. Morbid. I got it. Uh, so combat celebrant. Uh, another card with a lot of words on it. Uh, so this is a creature. It's a four-one. Uh, if uh, it says if combat celebrant hasn't been exerted this turn, this is relevant wording. Uh, you may exert it as it attacks. When you do, untap all other creatures you control, and after this phase, there is an additional combat step phase. Combat phase. The step uh, phase. Don't worry about it. The step phase. You know, the one. Um, <laughs> this card is like a surprise battle, surprise battle again. Uh, for reference, it untaps all of your creatures, not just the ones that attacked. So if you used some creatures to that had things you could do when you tap them, uh, like... Is there name me some cards that, that tap to do stuff? Uh, that like do stuff when they tap, or like you can tap it to make mana or do some other stuff. Like Lana War Elves, like Lana War Elves, or or uh, you know Dryad Arbor. Okay, we're yeah, sure. <laughs> Devoted Druid, <laughs> Dryad Arbor. I like it. Uh, we're not going to talk about Devoted Druid yet. Uh, oh. that was on tap too, so you can do whatever cool stuff you wanted to do with those. Uh, there's no, however, there isn't an, another main phase between these, so you don't get to equip or play more creatures as much as you want to. Uh, <laughs> and then the additional fun of what happens if you have more than one. Mass hysteria, cats and dogs living together. A lot of celebrating. But don't, don't be dumb and do like exert them at the same time. If you want to battle a bunch of times, you gotta exert one, battle again, exert the next one, battle again. Mm -hmm. And and that's why this one has that weird, if this hasn't been exerted this turn, you may exert it wording. Because otherwise you could just chain them infinitely. You could just, like, infinitely do that. 
Oh yeah. Um, and and then and then my decimator beetle would be no help, uh, which is the next turn I'm going to talk about. Uh, I love this card. So uh, I'm I'm I'm, I'm torn. Not, I'm torn on this card. I'm torn on this card. You're not so, into it. Eh. Well, we'll get there. Okay. So decimator beetle beetle uh, is a four five creature that says when decimator beetle enters the battlefield, put a minus one minus one counter on target creature you control. When decimator Decimator Beetle attacks, remove a minus one, minus one counter from target creature you control, and put a minus one, minus one counter on up to one target creature defending player controls. Can I ask, did you almost call it a Decimator Beater? <laughs> decimator Beater. <laughs> um, I was I was about to mispronounce that. Yeah, sorry about that. Okay. Um, it, was, it was, I don't know if I could say it ten times fast. Probably not. Um, so it... When it enters the battlefield, uh, it can put the counter on itself. So there's no way to be like, I don't have anything to put the counter on. Um, and the second ability can um, target any creature you control, not just the ones with counters on them. If for some reason you want to target something that doesn't yet have a counter. Or if you don't have anything with a counter. Right, yeah, it still has to target something. Um, if uh, if one of the targets for the second ability becomes illegal... Uh, the other part of it still happens. So, for example, uh, if I attack with my Decimator Beetle and I target my creature that has a minus one, minus one counter and my opponent's creature that does not, and my opponent goes, oh, in response, all heroes downfall your creature with the minus one, minus one counter, that's great. He's successfully done that, but his creature will still get a minus one, minus one counter on it. It, it, This isn't like a transfer where both parts have to happen. (laughs) My plans, you foiled them. (laughs) Oh. Um... And my curse you rules. My problem with Decimator Beetle is the name. I just I really want Bombardier Beetle to see print because that's one of the coolest animals in existence. Oh, uh, see, I thought you were gonna have a problem because it, the Decimator Beetle doesn't have like a, a power of eighteen. <laughs> no, no, not really. No, no. no? Uh, I like I like that this card is trying really hard to be Siege Rhino. Yeah, but it's it's yeah. not Siege Rhino. Yeah, I can I can see that. Um. So I think uh, the card's actually pretty straightforward. It's got a lot of words, but it's it's pretty straightforward. It's also going to see a lot of li- limited play, I think. It's an un- uncommon. I think it's going to be a good one for the color combination. Oh, definitely. I think it's sweet. <clears throat> All right. Next card we're going to talk about is the Edifice of Authority. For three mana, it is an artifact. Two fun abilities. Uh, well, actually, just one fun ability. I'll read them and let you figure out which one's fun and which one isn't. Um, for one in tap... Uh, target creature can't attack this turn. Put another brick on Edifice of Authority. <clears throat> uh, so all in all, put another brick on Edifice of Authority. Um, Acceptable. <clears throat> be s- <laughs> now, what's... Uh, and then uh, the second ability is one tap. Until your next turn, target creature can't attack or block, and its activated abilities can't be activated. Uh, activate this ability only if there are three or more brick counters on Edifice of Authority. <clears throat> now, some things about this is uh, neither ability can be used to undo an attack or block. So that means if the if your opponent has declared attackers or declared blockers you can't just say oh well uh that creature that creature that you just attacked with can't attack well i mean you you can activate the ability but it's not gonna again uh we're just telling you what the rules say we're not telling you whether or not it's a strategically sound decision or not um this is not going to nullify any attack or nullify any block that's already occurred um same with the second ability where it uh it says the target creature can't 
uh, activate its activated abilities, you can't respond to its activated ability and expect this to shut it off. Uh, and the final thing is if you activate this card and say, hey, you can't um, activate your Dryad Arbor, uh, you can they can still tap and activate it in response. So that that whole the whole activated thing you're gonna have to from a strategic standpoint you're gonna have to plan around that a little bit. Think really hard about how how your opponent can respond. Yeah. Uh, speaking of your opponent responding, I, I, this is not even a good segue. No. But uh, why do why do I why do I get to talk about all the red cards? I don't even like red cards. Uh, okay, fling fling is a is a reprint. I don't know how many times it's been printed before, but it's. A lot, right? I could find out very quickly. Uh, Hold on. Uh, I don't know. It's, look it up. It's, it's more than once. Uh, so it's a an instant for one in red, but as an additional cost to cast Fling, sacrifice a creature. Uh, fling deals damage equal to the sacrificed creature's power to target creature or player. Uh, so the way it determines what that power was is last known information. So it goes back and says, okay, what was this creature at the time when we when we paid that cost of sacrificing it? And if it was if it was huge, uh, but it was maybe in as a card as a maybe had a billion plus one plus one counters on it, it will deal the billion and two instead of just the two power printed on the card. Uh, additionally. The sacrifice happens as part of paying the cost for casting it. So if a something has a trigger that says when you cast a spell, if the creature that you're sacrificing says, you know, when you cast a spell, do a thing, that's not going to trigger because by the time that happens, that creature is no longer there. So I get to do about a billion damage to my opponent that way. Wow. Now someone just needs to break it in standard, I believe. So our next card is Gideon of the Trials. Gideon of the Trials is a planeswalker that costs three mana, uh, one white-white. It has three loyalty counters and has three uh, activated abilities. The first one says plus one uh, until end of turn. Sorry, let me rephrase that. Until your next turn, prevent all damage target permanent would deal. And the second one costs zero, and shockingly, Gideon becomes a creature. Until end of turn, Gideon of the Trials becomes a 4-4 human soldier creature with indestructible that's still a planeswalker. Prevent all damage that would be dealt to him this turn. And the last ability says, zero, you get an emblem with, as long as you control a Gideon planeswalker, you can't lose the game and your opponents can't win the game. So, let's talk about this. The first ability, there's a lot of stuff there. The first ability... Uh, will still work even if somehow uh, Gideon has left the battlefield. Um, that that permanent still has all of its damage prevented. So you you say I'm targeting that creature. Uh, it, all of its damage will be prevented next turn, and then Gideon dies. It's still prevented. Uh, the second ability does not give Gideon haste, even though it makes him a creature. You can't attack with him if you just played him this turn. Uh, that would be even more busted. So yeah, that would be that would be very busted. Um, Additionally, damage is prevented to Gideon. Uh, however, he's still a planeswalker, so if somehow you deal damage to him that can't be prevented, uh, not only will Gideon have damage marked on him as a creature, but he will also lose loyalty counters. Uh, so even though he's indestructible, if he loses loyalty and that loyalty goes down to zero or, well, zero, we can't go less than zero, um, then he'll be put in the graveyard as a state-based action, and uh, that 
sweet emblem from Gideon means that as long as you control Gideon, you can't lose the game. That's that's even for other things that would make you lose the game, like not having any cards in your library. You don't you have an empty library? That's okay. Just keep playing until your Gideon's dead. Um, and uh, obviously, you can still concede even if you can't lose the game. Um, what? No, 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 guys! I really have to go. And they're like, "Sorry, we haven't killed that Gideon yet." You're stuck. <laughs> it's like, no, guys, I got to work in the morning. Should have no. thought of that before you played it. But does it make me immune to judge actions? I can't get game losses anymore, right? I have a Gideon. Um, sweet argument, but no, it does not. You can still get game <laughs> losses and match losses, um, even if you control a Gideon and have an emblem. Dang. Uh, although, you know, if the next time I'm in an event and end up with a game loss or something, I think I'm just going to start waving my Gideon emblem around and be like, see, see, can't, see what happens. You know, I, I'm immune. Well, I... It actually would be kind of funny if you told uh, if you told the judge, you show me in the rules where it says you can give me this game loss, and then just see what <laughs> happens. Please don't do that. <laughs> I think it's I think it's actually a little difficult to find. <clears throat> All right. Um, so Brian, moving on to the next. Yes. One. So the next card is a glorious end. It is not the glorious end of this episode, but it is a glorious end. Um, it is for two and a red. Is it an instant that says end the turn? I'm going to explain what that means in just a second. Um, <clears throat> at the beginning of your next end step, you lose the game. Ooh. Um, so, uh, so this is a card that you will probably want to cast during your opponent's turn at some point. Uh, maybe on your turn, but again, we, we don't go into strategy here on Judge Cast. Uh, but what end of the turn means is all spells and abilities that are on the stack are exiled. So this can be used as a counterspell. Um, attacking and blocking creatures are removed from combat, so it can be used as a fog if you're getting attacked. Uh, what happens is um, you the spell resolves, the turn is ended, uh, they're going to check state-based actions, they're... Uh, there's no priority, there's no triggered abilities are put on the stack, nothing. Just check state-based actions um, because of a specific rule. And then uh, rule 715.1c uh, for the rules nerds out there. Uh, then the game's going to skip straight to cleanup. So you can discard, uh, discard a card, do normal cleanup stuff there, anything that... Uh, <clears throat> anything that uh, triggers at the beginning of the, the end step, those triggers are skipped. Um, anything that says at the beginning of your next end step, uh, well, those those are going to be skipped, and they're going to have to wait until next time, until your next beginning of end step. Um, so Glorious End, it sets up a delayed trigger that at the beginning of your next end step, you lose the game. Um, you can counter uh, Glorious End's delayed trigger. So if you have something that counters a trigger or maybe something else that ends the turn, you wait until the delayed trigger goes on the stack, and then you use your Sundial of Infinite. Um, what if I play another Glorious End? If you play another Glorious End, that turn's going to end, and that trigger is going to be exiled, and you're going to get... Um, let's see here. Uh, that turn is going to end, and you're going to pass. Your opponent's going to get the turn, and then you're going to get your turn, and hopefully you will have found a way to win by then. Hopefully I will have found another, another glorious end. Another, another. The second, second sunrise. Because you're really just casting all these glorious ends to chain until you can get to your second sunrise. Your second, second sunrise. Obviously. But you can also counter this triggered ability. Yep. There's, That's there's way a, less fun. It is. 
I, I think the chaining glorious ends into the second second sunrise is uh, worth at least. Um, well, this is this well, the, the counter in this in standard. Kit, it costs four, right? The one that counters uh, abilities. So I like, think so. So you yeah. could like you could you could as foretold this out on your opponent's upkeep on turn oh. <laughs> on the third oh. counters. Yeah, and then you could counter the triggered ability for free, assuming you had the card. Oh. Um, no, no gonna, I think we're gonna live no, the dream. No, I'm not a GP. I'm not a GP head judge, but I'm pretty sure that that's worth three buys at a GP if you pull that off. Oh. You know, I'm in, just saying. I'm ready. I, I think it is. I think Brogan's having like a religious experience over here. I don't know what's happening. I'm so pleased. <laughs> I love value. <laughs> Awesome. You don't get turns. I get free spells. Uh, do we have anything else we want to say about this this glorious card? No, no I don't think so. Glorious end of our description. Of, anyway. Yes. yes. Pun uh, for everyone. Yes. Uh, so uh, next card is Harsh Mentor. Uh, describes some number of people in the judge program. Who knows who? Uh, the... Uh, it's a 2-2 for 1 in red that says whenever an opponent activates an ability of an artifact, creature, or land on the battlefield, if it isn't a mana ability, Harsh Mentor deals 2 damage to that player. Uh, it's overall, generally straightforward. Uh, th- good to know it doesn't trigger off of cycling or embalm. Uh, obviously, cycling is not its not a, a thing on the battlefield. Same reason for embalm. The that's happening from a creature in your graveyard. It's not on the battlefield. Um, also, the tr- so if you cast a spell, this trigger goes on the st- on the stack on top of that uh, whatever. Uh, sorry, if if you activate an ability, this goes on the stack on top of that ability and will resolve before that ability resolves. So it's it's like um, Eidolon of the Great Revel, except for different stuff. Th- this feels like it's there to to poke at vehicles, you know. I agree. And it's just, just, I'll crew my thing. Two damage. Take two damage. Because <laughs> that's how people are going to treat it, because they don't want to miss their triggers. You know, two damage! Yeah, bef- not even give it a sh- like a chance. Right. Just yeah. immediate. By the way, two damage. Yep, 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 yep. Um, go- going on, uh, moving on to our next next red card. Man, there's a string of red cards here. Yep. Um, we have Insult to Injury. This is another one of those... Uh, those special sideways, pseudo-sideways uh, split cards. Pseudo-sideways. Pseudo-sideways. Um, insult is a sorcery for three mana that says damage can't be prevented this turn. Watch out, Gideon. If a source you control would deal damage this turn, it deals double that damage instead. And injury says injury deals two damage to target creature and two damage to target player. Uh, and it has... Uh, it's a mana cost, it's three. Sorry for that weird pause, I'm having to turn my head sideways to read it. Um, so, this this is pretty straightforward, but the doubling damage thing gets weird. Um, if you have a creature with trample, and you are, say I have a 5-5 a five five with trample, and my opponent has a 3-3, three three, and they block my 5-5 five five with trample with their 3-3, three three, um, I have to assign damage before it can be dealt. So I have to assign three damage to the 3-3 three three and two damage to the opponent before we get to the point where we're doubling it. At which point, 
six damage will be dealt to the 3-3 and only four to my opponent. You, you don't get to trample through with a grand total of 10 damage. You double it after it's assigned. Um, and uh, similarly, any effect that lets you divide damage, you, you, you divide that up before it's doubled um, so you don't get twice as much to divide. And uh, injury can only be cast if it has legal targets for, for all of its stuff. You have to have both a creature and a player to target in order to cast uh, injury. As long as it, there's one target in the end, it will resolve, but you need to at least have... They need to start with targets for both. Yeah, yeah, it has to start with legal targets for everything, and uh, and it will resolve unless both targets become illegal. So uh, the next card... Uh, little. If you notice, we've kind of been going in alphabetical order here. This one's going a little, little out of order. Um, Soul Scar Mage. Uh, it's for one, one red or a red. Uh, Prowess one two has has uh, the ability. If a source you control would deal non-combat damage to a creature an opponent controls, put you may put that many minus one minus one counters on that creature instead. Okay, so uh, what this is what, the reason why this is here is because the question is, well, how does this work with insult from above? Uh, which insult says, hey, if you're going to deal du- damage, deal double it instead. And this says, hey, if you're going to deal damage, you put that many minus one minus one counters on instead. So which is it? Do you double the damage and then get the minus one minus one counters, or do you get the minus one minus one counters and then, well, there's no damage to double? Uh, and the answer there is because you have multiple prevention, uh, sorry, multiple replacement effects, uh, trying to apply to the same damage. The controller of the creature is going to get to decide. So they, again, <laughs> Judge Cast disclaimer, we don't tell you, we tell you what you can do, <laughs> not what's strategically viable. You can choose, uh, if your creature's been hit by, say, a, a, a lightning bolt after, uh, insult's been cast. You may choose to have the damage doubled to six and then turn into minus one, minus one counters. Or you can have the the three damage turn into the minus one, minus one counters, and then there's no damage to double, so the other replacement effect doesn't apply. You get to choose. It's your choice. That's Um, so considerate. It is. I mean, if you're a nice person, uh, you you know, or or really, if if your tutu's getting bolted, you could make a big deal out of the fact that you're doubling it first. You know? So, no, 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 I get to choose. So... <laughs> Relatedly to replacement effects, uh, th- th- this is mostly just a study on how replacement effects work in general. There's a uh, another card called Protection of the Hecma. Heck, um, it's an enchantment. If a source uh, an opponent controls would deal damage to you, prevent one of that damage. Uh, again, this is a replacement effect. Uh, if several things are dealing damage to you, several different sources are dealing damage to you, it will prevent one damage from each of them. So if I'm getting attacked by seven one ones, how much damage do I take? Not 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 any. Not any. Nope. Yeah, you take you take uh, no damage because each Good one o- gets the prevention. Oh. Good old zero. Um and this is only damage to to your face, not to your creatures. Um relative to uh planeswalkers and like the planeswalker redirection rule, um you have to choose how these apply before, before how those replacement effects apply before you know if that's going to be redirected. I'm struggling to think of an intuitive way to describe that. So if <laughs> someone else wants to, to take over. Uh, go ahead, Ryan. No, I was just going to say it's, I think this is, no, I don't have one. 
<laughs> so, um, if you'd like to go deeper on replacement effects, there's actually a lot there. Uh, and we just, well, it was discussed in detail on, uh, man, that's a long time ago, on episode 45. Jeez, we need to redo that yeah, one. Yeah, um, that's... This is on episode 45, uh, titled, on this episode, Skip Jess Dunks, because I wasn't there. Um, so if you, if you want to go really deep on replacement effects, uh, go back and listen to that one, where, uh... Uh, Brian and CJ um, skip Jess Dunks. Skip Jess Dunks. Yeah, exactly. Or or just wait until we add it to the list of things that we need to go back and revisit. Yeah, that's that's it. Seems like it might have to jump up there pretty high. Um, <laughs> uh, the next card we're going to talk about is called uh, Labyrinth Guardian. It has an effect we haven't seen in a while. Um, what what I refer to as the illusion effect, which still holds true because this is a creature type illusion creature. Um, it's a two three creature, and whenever Labyrinth Guardian becomes the target of a spell, sacrifice it. Now this ability is slightly different than what you've seen before. First of all, this is only spells. It's not the target of a spell or ability. It's it's just spell. Um, now the things that uh, can can happen with that that are unexpected. Uh, if somebody tries to target it with an aura, uh, that is still a spell that targets, even though it doesn't have the word target on it. Uh, it does target, so don't don't put an aura on your own Labyrinth Guardian. You will be sad, so stay safe in that regard and, and watch out for it. Um, and if you do target a, a Labyrinth Guardian with something, uh, if that spell does anything else, it might not do the, anything else that it's supposed to do if... Labyrinth Guardian was the only target. Uh, because so if it's something that says scry or something, like, yeah. target this, scry one. Yeah, then that fact Bounce that, a creature, draw a card. The, the scrying one uh, used to happen frequently with Titan Strength, actually. Yep. Um, so, yeah, that's that's that would be problematic and will probably happen uh, problematically. Not infrequently. So, uh, Brian, uh, yes. of, you were talking about X spells earlier. We finally hit the one you wanted to talk about. Uh, all right. Well, uh, I'm going to talk about... I think there's a, there's a like, a, a my screen is weird. There's some blue on this card. I don't understand. Um, I'm so, so excited. Is it, it's, I mean, if, if this is one that you're excited about, do you want to swap and I'll take the next one? I, I mean, go, is... no, it's a, it's, right. sh- sure, sure, I'll do it. I'll do okay. it. I love this card. Um, So my, my favorite Planeswalker is, my favorite card is Kiora the Crashing Wave. And my favorite colors are blue and green. So this is just like, it fills all those those roles in my head, except it's actually kind of a good card. <laughs> um, so as as folks have been discussing, uh, this card costs uh, green, blue, X. Please, unless you would like to not have a planeswalker, don't choose X equals zero. Um, so she's got some loyalty abilities, being a planeswalker and all. Uh, so she enters with X uh, loyalty counters. She has a plus two of scry two. Uh, oh man, this text is so small. Uh, <laughs> she has a zero ability of uh, look at the top card of your library. If it's a land card or a creature card with a converted mana cost less than or equal to the number of loyalty counters on Nissa, you may put that card onto the battlefield. Uh, additionally, she has a minus six of untap up to two target lands you control. They become five five elemental creatures with flying and haste until end of turn. And by the way, they're still lands. Um, this card is delightful. <laughs> uh, so, uh, for her zero ability, if you can't can't uh, uh, put the card onto the if the, the spell doesn't work or you don't play the card, if you don't you don't put it onto the battlefield, uh, it stays there. 
it doesn't go anywhere. Um, if she, if something happens to her while this ability, like if she leaves the battlefield while this ability is on the stack, uh, again, as we were discussing before, use last known information uh, of what, how many loyalty counters she had before when she left to determine if you can put that card onto the battlefield. So if she has four counters and she and you activate that ability, your opponent kills your Nissa. If that thing had uh, CMC uh, less than or equal to four, you get your thing. Uh, you don't historically. There's been. I love that they gave these lands for her minus six haste because there's been all this like badness about oh well that is the land you played this turn so you can't attack with it well they have haste <laughs> so uh also if you ha- like this card is is, is going to be awesome if your game is going way too long and you have a million mana it's like i'll just make her x equals eight and ultimate her right now and here's surprise 10 damage with flying. Surprise! Surprise it's awesome. Also, it's as surprising as a blue in your Nissa. You got blue in my Nissa. <laughs> it's like it's like having your chocolate in your peanut butter, only way better. Is that is that a thing? Chocolate? I guess that is a thing. It sounds good. Yeah. Have you never eaten a Reese's cup? No, I have not. I don't believe you. What? All right, I'm I'm done geeking out about Nissa. I'm, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I'm sitting here. I'm actually trying to legit figure out if I'm be if Jess is trolling or not. I, I know someone who's never had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and she is American. <laughs> uh, oh, moving on. So Oracle's Vault. Let's uh, let's <laughs> put the peanut butter and jelly sandwich in the Oracle's Vault. Uh, for four mana, it is an artifact with the ability tap or sorry two tap exile the top card of your library. Until end of turn, you may play that card. Put a brick counter on Oracle's Vault. All in all, I, it's, I'm going to sing that song in my head every time. Uh, it also <laughs> has the ability tap, exile the top card of your library. Until the end of turn, you may play that card without paying its mana cost. Activate this ability only if there are three or more brick counters on Oracle's Vault. So the first one you're paying to, exiling it, and you can play the card and pay its cost. And the second ability is exile it, and until the end of turn, you can play it for free. Now, these cards are exiled face-ups. That means everybody gets to see what they are. Um, If you exile the card, and then for whatever reason, Oracle Vault gets destroyed, until the end of turn, you can still cast that card. Um, So playing the card is going to follow the normal timing rules. Uh, So if it's a sorcery, you can only cast it when it's a sorcery. Um, Now, it's using the terminology play, uh, instead of cast, so you can do land, you can play land, however there are restrictions, you know, normal restrictions on land. So, if you've already played your land for turn and you exile land, well, you're out of luck unless you got uh, you got something else to help you play additional land per turn. You know who doesn't uh, have that problem? Doesn't Nissa. Have that. <laughs> Nissa does not have that problem. You're correct. <laughs> um, cards stay exiled if they're not played, or... Uh, yeah. Uh, the brick counter on the first ability happens regardless of the Oracle's Vault's going to get a brick counter regardless of whether or not you cast the card. And for the second ability where you get to pay without paying the mana cost, well, if it's a Nissa, um, oh. yeah, the X is going to be zero. So Nissa is going to show up and say, hey, I got blue in me, and then go to the graveyard. <laughs> she's going she's gonna to pop up just long enough no to say, like... Connected. You're just like, oh, we have blue. <laughs> right. So she's going to pop up and be like, I'm so blue, and then go to the graveyard. Oh. So I'm so blue. All right. 
<laughs> Good job. The next card is Pathmaker Initiate. Uh, Pathmaker Initiate is very straightforward. It's a 2-1 human wizard for one and a red. Uh, it has an ability that says tap target creature. Sorry, let me rephrase this. Tap this card. Target creature with power two or less can't be blocked this turn. Um, there are two things about that. If you target a creature with power two or less, and then after this resolves, its power goes up, it still can't be blocked. Uh, that's because the power two or less only checks, uh, is only checked when this ability, uh, goes on the stack and when it resolves. It's, it's a targeting restriction. That being said, because it's a targeting restriction, if you increase its power, um, with this ability, on the stack, that creature can become an illegal target and the ability won't resolve. So this is one of those weird situations where sometimes it's beneficial to play a pump spell on your opponent's creature so you'll be able to block it. Value. Value. Right. Hashtag value. So the next card is Shadow of the Grave, which has some of the creepiest artwork in the set. Oh, I think it's super pretty. These things are not mutually exclusive. Spooky skelly men. They're, they're, they're not. It's, it's definitely, just, like, it feels like a Slenderman reference, but sure. I I learned something about Brogan. Um, I love creepy things. Like, like, s- spiders and skeletons. Not like creepy people. <laughs> what? <is, laughs> so Brogan, Brogan's like, She's like, Brogan's like, when's this episode going to end? I need to go pull the wings off of some flies. <laughs> um... <laughs> sure. Yep. Uh, you can, that's, that's, just, that's the mental image. I, I'll take it. I don't. I don't know. I don't think that's what. Uh, what? Oh. So anyway, uh, it's one in a black. Uh, for an instant, return to your hand all cards in your graveyard that you cycled or discarded this turn. Um, so one note that I've one note that I've got is uh, so when you cycle a card, you're you're discarding it. But I I read somewhere that during playtesting they found that people didn't get the fact that when they cycled cards they were discarding, so they just added it. So uh, cycled or discarded this turn, the cycled is actually redundant, but it's just there for clarity. Um, so you're going to return all those cards that are discarded for any reason. Uh, cycled, uh, if you discard them with one one with nothing, someone makes you discard a card. Uh, from like a hem to Turok or something like that to use old non-standard cards. Um, now this is, this is, this part right here is in the FAQ. So I'm, I'm going to go over it, uh, but it might not be right. Um, or there might be a rules change. So if you discard a card with madness, but don't cast it. So that means you discard it. The card's going to go to exile and then uh, the triggered ability says, hey, you can either cast it from exile or it goes to the graveyard now. Um, Shadow of the Grave will be able to find that card, okay? However, if you discard a card to Madness and then you cast it, the spell resolves and then goes to the graveyard, Shadows of the Grave will not be able to find it. So this is what the FAQ says. Um, that is not currently supported by the written rules right now. So this implies that there's going to be a, a comprehensive rules change that's going to make this work. Um, well, there's some fancy asterisks around that right now. Right, mentally. right. Like, so we're, just keep an eye. Yeah. So it we're going to assume that it works the way the FAQ says, uh, going into the comprehensive rules change. But right now, and the reason the reason why we would say, as the rules are written right now, that card's actually changing zones. It's going from your hand to exile to the graveyard so it's a different object so it wasn't it wasn't discarded it moved from exile to unless they're they're changing something where madness has you discarding from exile uh that would that might actually be the rules change um but 
Don't know. Um, so I'm going to try and I, I may or may not succeed, but I'm going to try and get clarification on that uh, as well. So if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't know what to do. Um, well, follow us on Twitter or Facebook or something, and uh, we'll post that if we find out uh, if that's an upcoming rules change or if that is uh, wrong and let you know. Yeah, I'm really, really curious. I think it's a prob- uh, it's probably an upcoming rules change because I guess it kind of makes sense because um, you think of the right. card as discarded. So it makes it's sense. an intuitive thing. Yeah. Right, and and it's it's actually kind of if you think of the way madness was before uh before the shadows over Innistrad, you could actually just straight discard it. Like if you didn't if you if you right. weren't going to cast it, you could just straight discard it. And then they made the change to reduce the number of clicks on Moto. Oh, is that really why that change happened? Yeah. That is that Neat. is what I've heard, yes. Neat. So so they're restoring I guess, I guess they're restoring the functional intent intent of madness. Huh. All right. That makes sense. Um so there's a the, the next card to talk about is another artifact with a lot of well this doesn't have too many words on it, but this one's legendary. This one has more text. This has more flavor text than I have seen on a card in a very long time. It's super cool. Uh, So the card is Throne of the God Pharaoh with totally not bolus horns at the top. I'm so excited. Um, So the card says, at the beginning of your end step, each opponent loses life equal to the number of tapped creatures you control. Um, So unlike some number of things that work in a similar way, this will happen this trigger will happen regardless of if you have any creatures tapped at during your end step uh or at the beginning of your end step uh but it then it counts those creatures on resolution so if for some reason you want to let the trigger go on the stack and then tap a bunch of creatures you will you'll those will be counted toward your total um Additionally, as with a lot of things like this, because it says uh, each opponent, you get uh, super extra two-headed giant value. Right, because yeah. each each opponent's going to uh, lose that life, and then and then it's applied to their their team life total. To their team total. Oh jam. Oh Dang. jam. All right, we have uh, we have one more card uh, for me to talk about, and then one from Brian. Um, so the last card I'm going to talk about is Vizier of Remedies. Vizier of Remedies is uh, two one creature that says if one or more minus one minus one counters will be put on a creature you control that one that many minus one minus one counters minus one are put <laughs> on it instead. I did not speak that too many times. It says that many minus one minus one counters minus one, so it's subtracting one from the total of minus one minus one counters. I didn't realize I until right now how hard that is to say. Right, I didn't either because I've only I've only read it like not out loud up to this point. Um, so uh, I think it's clear, but just to be sure, um, if you're going to put three minus one minus one counters on a creature, Vizier of Remedies um, will will make it two instead of three. Yes. So it just subtracts one from the total of minus one, minus one counters. So um, this uh, also applies to creatures that would enter the battlefield with minus one, minus one counters. If it's something says, oh, this enters the battlefield with uh, a minus one, minus one counter on it, it instead just won't because that <laughs> one minus one is zero. Um if, uh, if something would affect Vizier of Remedies as it's entering the battlefield, its own effect doesn't apply to it because it's not on the battlefield. 
when it's and prior to entering the battlefield. Um, and multiple of these stack up. So if I have three of these and something tries to put three minus one minus one counters on something, uh, just, I don't get any of them. So um, this is um, this is sweet in a few ways. Uh, the, the the most obvious one that stands out to me is that this is like Malira five through eight in modern. Yeah. Uh, that this just makes the combo go the, the Malira combo go nuts. Um, and if you don't know about that, I'm, we've gone into it. You will. So I'm sure you'll <laughs> see it. Um, so um, this also gets fun with uh, devoted druid. And devoted actually, I'm trying druid. to think. I'm trying to think. Does this does this actually work with that? It, does it still consider the cost paid? Yes. Sweet. Yep. Yes, it does. So my devoted druid. I've had I've had many players ask me this in the last several days. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yep. All right. So um. It's an anti combo with wicker bow elder though. Yeah. My uh, value. So so the first the first time I read this card I read it wrong I read it as if one or more minus one minus one counters would be put on a permanent you put that many my. I basically read that you put an additional minus one, minus one counter on it. And then you get was, more minus one than it originally intended. Right. And I was just like, I, was, I read it and I was just like, oh, I guess this set's going to have a really heavy minus one, minus one theme if that's something that I want to do. And, <laughs> and it's like, why is everybody so excited about this card? And then someone's like, oh, Devoted Druid. And I'm like, that doesn't work. That kills the Devoted Druid. That doesn't work. <laughs> this kills the Devoted Druid. Right. It's like, that's a horror. That's a, I need to comment about that. And I, I was like, okay, well, before I post, let me re- just reread the card and like, make sure that I, oh. Like, I want, uh, the, the thing about this card is it has the words minus one on it five times. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, now I just like at, at the previous. I just want every time I see this card, I think I just want to ask people, "Hey, what does that do?" Just to see if they can oh, get them to read. No. <laughs> Oof. Make someone Bad repeat person. it a million times. Right. So uh, we have one more super complex card to go over. Um, not actually Yay. complex, but there are a few different things about it. So this is the vizier, or the visor, or the visine of the menagerie. Who is a Naga cleric? He is the happiest looking snake dude. He's so cute. He is. He's pretty adorable. He's got like he's got the birds and an elk and and that's like one of Cinderella's mice in his hand. Uh and a like a and dragonfly a thing. Oh yeah, I mean he's just he's just all over the place with his uh with all his uh all his little woodland and forest creatures. Uh little do you know he's going to swallow them whole later. Uh, he's just gonna <laughs> dislocate his jaw. Ew. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, it's green, man. Survival of the fittest and all that. Um, so, you may look at the top card of your library. You may do that at any time. Uh, you may cast the top card of your library if it's a creature card. You may spend mana as though it were mana of any type to cast creature spells. Uh, so th- this guy is a, is a, just a 3-4, uh, just awesome house. Um, so, let's go over this. You can look at the top card uh, whenever you want, uh, with one exception. This does not use the stack. So, you know, you can make a lot of jokes where someone's like, oh, I play a land for turn. You're like, in response, I look at the top card of my library. Um, don't actually do that. People do that so much. I, I know. Don't. Please <laughs> people, don't. Yeah, you're a jerk if you do that. 
maybe one time and then ha 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 and then stop. Um, so here's the exception. If the top, if, um, if the top card is changing while you are casting a spell or activating an ability, you can't look until you're done casting or activating. Okay. Um, the ability that lets you cast the top card of your library if it's a creature spell, it doesn't change the timing rules of when you, even though you can look at the card at any time, you can't cast it at any time. Unless the creature has flash, then go for it. Um, you can spend mana as though it were any type. Uh, so normally we've seen things like that that say color, but when you talk type, that includes colorless now, so you can do your Eldrazi. Um, the top card of your library is a creature with cycling. You may not cycle. Um, if the top creature from on uh, your library is for somehow a creature with suspend, you cannot suspend because suspending only you can only do that from your hand. Uh, if the creature has any additional costs, you have to pay them. Uh, you may also choose to pay any alternative costs. So uh, all your bringer of the fifth dawns um, or bringer of the blue dawn, you can pay Wooburg for it. Great. Yes. <laughs> the obscure cards. <laughs> Awesome. All right, right. so that's all the obscure cards like nobody I've ever met. Like, <laughs> it's crazy yes. how good he is. Just, like, he's really good with the obscure cards, but you say something that's, like, commonly played in, in booster drafts in the current set, and he's like, i got no idea what you're talking about. Wait, like, what uh, card uh, is that? What is what is the glint nest crane? Smuggler's Copter? Is that good? <laughs> I don't good I question. don't know what that is. Um. So do I Do I have the last card? Is this the for realsies, for no for real last card? Uh. This is something I've already been asked a surprising number of questions about, and I think it's just because a lot of people in my city love EDH. And it's a Hapatra Vizier of Poisons, and it's a, another black-green creature. Uh, so whenever Hapatra Vizier of Poisons deals combat damage to a player, you may put a minus one, minus one counter on target creature. And second ability, whenever you put one or more minus one, minus one counters on a creature, create a minus, a one, one green snake creature token with death touch. Um, the biggest question that I've been asked about this so far is, so if I put, you know, a minus one, minus one counter on five of my opponent's creatures, how many snakes do I get? Uh, you get five snakes. However, if you put three minus one, minus one counters on one creature, you still only get one snake. Dang. So spread those counters around. More more counters equals more snakes. So there's snakes things. and nagas in this set. Yep. Well, nagas are snake people. Snakes are snakes. I mean, yeah, like, they have, like, they had monkeys and people in the last set. What's your point? Well, they didn't have, they didn't, <laughs> they didn't have. <laughs> <laughs> such a, I, almost said, I almost said something that would make you have to edit. You can't say that on television. Oh, uh, yeah. Right. So, so I, I, uh, so that's all the the cards that we thought had uh, some significant uh, points of interest regarding them. Uh, I really this this upcoming weekend, uh, there's going to be the pre-release, and you guys are going to be out having a good time, messing with the punch cards, uh, singing Pink Floyd songs, and. Being confused uh, about what counters are minus one and what counters are plus one. Yes. <laughs> at the, I don't think there's any plus one plus one counters at the in this set. Ignore the, me. <laughs> right, but you're gonna you're gonna have you're gonna have pay no ball. attention to the broken behind the curtain. <laughs> exactly. Oh. Right, but I mean, I, I I think this this set this set looks like a blast. It's got so many little neat uh, neat synergies and just wacky cards and the whole mummy thing. 
is is they just knock that out the park. Uh, it's really, going to be spooky and interesting and cool. I think it's awesome. Right. And the story, the, the actual story uh, so far has been kind of cool, kind of neat. Uh, you know, maybe we might actually get a Nicol Bolas plot where we understand it. Uh, <laughs> where, wow. where he's not just floating around That's being a, the, the Enigma dragon. That is a high bar, Brian. <laughs> right, right. Understand it. Well, I mean, so what's the, also, what's the other thing? It's, second thing, there's nothing wrong with Enigma dragon. I like the idea of an Enigma dragon, but people just don't understand it. That's fine. Sure, let's let's just say that. But the whole thing of he's so intelligent, you don't understand why he's making a trying to get Alara to converge. Oh yeah, that's or, just because the writers probably didn't understand. Well, sure, that's. But just, now they might. Now they yes. Now we find out that that Amonkhet is really uh, a Lara pre-split or something. I don't know. We're on his but, her, his home turf. Amonkhet, what you're saying? All I'm hearing right now is Almond Cat will be one giant retcon. <laughs> like It was all <laughs> someone's dream the whole time. <laughs> like, Nickel Bullis is just going to show up, there's going to be a bunch of, he's just going to knock stuff off the table, and he's going to be like, there's your continuity, and he's just going to smack it off the table. This whole just... set is just Jace's fan fiction. <laughs> uh, I think those Liliana scenes would be a little bit different if it was Jace's fan fiction. He's, it's got a big yeah. build-up. <laughs> <laughs> an extended plot line all right guys all right listeners thank you for joining in um we will be updating our facebook and twitter uh if we find out the answer to that one weird question about madness uh so please make sure to follow us on facebook at judgecast i'm sorry I almost did the brand thing at facebook.com slash judgecast. Um, uh, follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash judgecast. You can search for us on Tumblr. Um, and you can find our entire archive of judgecast episodes at judgecast.com. Um, if you come up with something cool and weird at one of your pre-releases, uh, this weekend and you'd like to email us about it, or if you have any questions, or if you just want to say hi, email us at judgecast at gmail.com. All right. Thank you for listening to episode 171. Brogan, thank you for joining us again. Thank you. Uh, my name is Jess Dunks. I keep it fun. I'm Brian Prillman. I keep it out of order, but fair. Do I get to keep something again? Absolutely. I keep being excited, I guess. <laughs> much excitement in this episode. Yeah, yes. I keep I keep it excited in a non-committal way. Exactly. Mumble mumble.